55 of Cowboys Rocket Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How's it going, man? JP, man, I'm I'm tired. I'm going to be blunt. I'm tired. I'm, but good. Like, can't complain. Um, but yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, I, I get that. We're, we're kind of in the middle of a lull right now. Obviously, basketball has been rough. You know, we're getting ready to start. You know, football or uh, I mean, spring football, if you want to talk about that, uh, we got baseball, we got softball. Like, there's a lot going on right now. And I feel like we're both just kind of in a little bit of a rut right now. But we're, we're just still going to get through it. And let's, we still got some good things to talk about today for sure. Yeah, look, I mean, base, basketball's not been, I mean, they could finally got some wins under their belt. So it's not the worst thing in the world by That's any right. stretch or means. Yeah. I mean, they got a nice win this week uh, at Kansas State. That was a very, uh, that was one you went into and kind of went, like they should beat this team because coming into the season, they were better than Kansas state even on the road, but you just didn't know with the way the season had gone, how they would perform um, in a game like that. Because I mean, let's be honest, that's a game that a month ago they absolutely lose. Mm-hmm. No, don't, no doubt. Cause that's basically it. what they did at TCU was they just, they, they lost a game they should have won and got a nice win. Um, now they, they've now won, uh, two of their last three and, and are three and three in their last six overall. I want to go back to the Texas A&M game. So, look, the season's not – you're not going to the NCAA tournament. At this point, you would just like to end the season on a high note, show that you can figure this out, um, let the young guys build some confidence, maybe make the CBI or something. And, and honest to goodness, um, it sounds really lame. Like if they get an invitation, go get some postseason an experience for these these friends like that's the thought i've had lately is if they finish with a winning record they're probably going to get an invitation to maybe the nit probably like the, the cit or the cbi which is really lame i get it no one cares but if you're boynton with the expectations for next season I, i'm i'm curious your thought i'm of the mindset of if it gives them more practice time and lets the young guys continue to play I am all. I don't. I don't care if they're in the CSI. Like, just let go and and get some more games under their belt and and, and get them do whatever you can to get them ready for next year. Because obviously, next season is is big. No, I 100% agree. I think the, that any opportunity to play postseason basketball is going to be important for this team. And even if it is the CBI or whatever it is, I feel like that at least shows. Okay, we're you know they at least gives them a taste of what basketball is like after the Big Twelve tournament. Um, and especially for the young guys, I think that's going to pay dividends you know, for next season. You know, obviously the the jump from the CBI to the NCAA tournament is a big one, but at least playing <laughs> postseason, uh, and I think big is a little bit of an understatement there. But I think say, seeing any sort of postseason basketball, I think, is going to be important for this team, especially for the freshmen, with how much they're really going to have to contribute next season. Uh, with it being you know a really young team once again, uh, with a lot of freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. But I think this, I think that it, it's really important. But the fact they're playing good basketball now at least tells me. And we talk, I think we talked about this after the the TCU game last week, before, uh, the the midweek game, that it was very easy for the. It would be very easy for this team to just roll over and die, and mm-hmm. just be okay. Just punt the season. Let's just get out of here and let's get ready for next year with Kate Cunningham coming in. And they have just fought their ass off for every single game, even in games where they they were out of it. You know, midway through the first half. They have had a never say die mentality that I think says a lot about what Mike Boynton is able to do as a coach. 
you know, for the people that say that he's a terrible coach, I still disagree with you because if he was a terrible coach, these dudes would have quit by now or they would have just not cared as much and they'd be just passive and they wouldn't be playing these close games against the number one team in the country and going and find a way to gut out a win, even though you're the better team to gut out a win on the road where you got beat by 39 last season. I think that says a lot about where this team is at right now. And they're playing with confidence, which is so important and so infectious. Yeah. So one other thing before we move on from basketball, obviously this Saturday, a big game. And it's, it's not just because number 24, Texas Tech's coming to town. I, it's it's weird to say, I think the fan base is super excited about a game that I don't think OSU is expected to win because they're going to honor the 1995 Final Four team. Yeah. And <clears throat> this is, it's awesome. Throwback jerseys um, from that time. Um, uh, props to not only teasing this early in the week, but letting little bits and little bits and little bits of information come out today. Uh, you obviously got the the shot of the back of the jersey, so we know it's going to be a black jersey. And who did they let wear it? Who who is the one Good that wears Reeves, man. That's the, at which, of course, whose daddy yeah. was on that '95 team that we are honoring? A brilliant move on their part. I, it, can we just say that the, that the social media team at OSU right now, football and basketball, football is doing a great job this offseason. Like the the hype videos they're putting out, specifically on the defensive side and some of the players that they're focusing on, props to OSU. But to do this in a season like this and to get the fan base excited about it, it with the way this season has gone, one, good job. Two, I think it does show that the fan base is ready for this program to be good. And oh, that yes. if the fan if the team is good, I think the fan base will respond well. Um it's, it's gotta happen, but I do think that the fan base is ready for the basketball team to be good. Um, and, and look, throwbacks are awesome. So props to them for pulling that out this weekend. Obviously the game is on CBS, so if, if you're gonna do it, why not do it on a a truly nationally televised game? I'm sure that the 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 stadiums won't be the arena won't be as full as we would like it to be, but should be a good showing. Um, Texas Tech's pretty good, so I'm not gonna pick OSU to win in this one. I would love to see them do it, you know, with everybody who's gonna be in the house. I I'm not gonna hold my breath, but you know, also the convenience of this being Texas Tech, and uh, who happens to be over there with the Red Raiders uh, on the coaching staff, yeah. but John Sutton himself, so. Very excited for this. I think it's I think it's a big deal on Saturday. Yeah, it's really exciting. I think all the build up for the week, like with how this season has gone and with the reception that it's got as well. Like people it's very easy for people to just like, oh whatever, you know, we're gonna throw back we're we're two and nine. But the fan base seems excited about this. And yeah, I don't think we're gonna see thirteen thousand in, in GIA, but I still think it's gonna be a good crowd. I think people are excited that the ninety five team is coming back and they're gonna honor them. Uh, I petitioned for uh, Trey Reeves to wear number 50 just because even if he doesn't play in the game, I think just he, he should be able to wear his dad's number just because I think that's pretty cool. But there, mm-hmm. there is a lot to be excited about on Saturday. And I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma State makes a game, like I said. I don't think they win. Uh, like you like you said as well, I, it, Texas Tech is really good. Uh, and Oklahoma State has been weird at home. But I have I have a feeling this, this team feels like they're finding their their stride, they're finding that confidence and that swagger they had at the beginning of the year and gutting out two solid wins earlier this week against teams they should have won. And then, you know, to go on the road and play a Baylor team that you probably, 
you had an opportunity to be, but you played with them twice within one possession into the final couple minutes of the game. I think that says a lot about where this team is at, uh, despite it despite being 12-12. and 12. Like, I feel good right now about where they're at. I think they can still get a couple wins here and there, but I, I've they at least have been able to bring it back a little bit to what we saw at the beginning of the season, even if it's marginal. This next four-game stretch, to me, is going to determine whether they finish above 500 or not this season. Obviously, you have Texas Tech at home on Saturday. Then you have to go to West Virginia. Then you get Bedlam at home following Saturday. And then you get at Kansas the following Monday. That that four-game stretch. Because you end the year with Iowa State at home, Kansas State at home, and at Texas. I, I, I would those put are, money on them be beating. Those should be three At Texas, they could – they're offensively, they're not great. Uh, they could lose in Austin. That that wouldn't shock me. They so could also win in Austin. No, they should beat Kansas State and Iowa State at home. They should win those games. They, I think, at Texas is, I would probably favor Texas in that. But if you look at this four-game stretch, this is a tough four-game stretch. If you could steal one on Saturday and then steal, get one next Saturday against Oklahoma, even if you lose at West Virginia and Kansas, that's fine. But if you could, if you could hold serve at home, for the rest of the season, somehow that'd be wins over Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Kansas State. You'd go four and three the rest of the way, and, and at least finish the regular season with a winning record, which is pretty much what you got to do for a postseason invite. Um, then, of course, that would you've got the Big Twelve Championship, um, a win there to determine whether you're going to have a, a above five hundred or or five hundred. But I, I just it, games like this Saturday, you just look at this and go with all the stuff that's going on could. Could the after everything that's happened this season, could the good the basketball gods happen to just come down and 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 bestow upon this Cowboy team just a great day, a great performance, and, and get them a, a much needed win? Because it would be really nice in when you're going to honor one of the best teams to ever play. If you could just get a win that day, that would yes. be nice. Exactly. Uh, but I do need to bring up one more thing from from the game on Tuesday. Um, yes, with with one attempt, uh, minimum of one attempt, Yorane is the most <laughs> accurate three point shooter in NCAA history. And hey, just like we all wrote it up, just like just like we all thought was going to this team. Oh, now, Oklahoma State has kind of found their identity. It's get the ball inside, get out in transition, and shoot the ball inside the three point line. And they only shot eight threes against uh, uh, against Kansas State. One make from Lindy Waters. And one make from Yorane. And Kirk, please agree with me here. That was the most unathletic, athletic thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like nothing about it showed that that ball should have gone in. And then it was the most perfect swish I've ever seen on a three-point shot in a while. It was awesome. Um, I, I, I just, I had to bring up that point real quick. Also, he went six of six on the floor in that game. Like he's, he's, I think he's starting to find his stroke a little bit too. Yeah, I, I think they're figuring some things out. Um, obviously, it's taking them a little bit of time, but they're they're starting to kind of figure a few things out, which is which is good. They're, they're ch- finally out how, how to utilize him better. And I just this is not a good shooting team. I don't know why it took them so long to figure that out, but it did, and they seem to have finally come to terms with it, and uh, are trying to go inside more. And it's working. Um, so um, we'll just we'll just see what happens on on Saturday. I. I I am not going to pick them to win. I'll just be blunt. I'm a coward. But I'm going to say um, I don't feel like this is a 
I'm not just going to write this game off. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I, I kind of feel that way as well. All right, so let's let's shift to football real quick. Uh, some news, and we we mentioned it on the last couple of episodes when we talked about football recruiting uh, and things like that. And you know, there was an article to put out. We put out. Uh, we've kind of unofficially known for a little bit that Christian Holmes, uh, the graduate transfer cornerback uh, from Missouri, uh, was going to come to Oklahoma State. Chuba Hubbard kind of leaked that news a little bit early, but earlier this week, Christian Holmes officially announced that he is coming to Oklahoma State to play his final season. This is big. Uh, obviously, getting Rodarius Williams back is a big deal. That the cornerback room is really young, and now you add in a guy that was going to start for Missouri more than likely uh, coming into this season. Uh, it just adds more depth. It takes some pressure off some of those freshmen that we're gonna ha- that are going to have to play. But at least now you have a little bit of a safety blanket with a graduate transfer with a lot of experience uh, that really shores up a room that was of concern for both of us uh, since really since we've gotten into the off season. Yeah, I feel look. I like Thomas Harper. If I was going to put down, and, and I will at some point, I'm I, I'm debating whether or not to try and do a projected um, depth chart before spring. I don't I don't always think there's a lot of like it. Always seems kind of silly to project a depth chart before they've finished. They still have a scholarship left. Someone's going to get it. Uh, it's going to get used somewhere. Um, we obviously have spring ball to try and figure some things out. So it's it's always seems silly to do a depth chart before spring ball because it's it's going to change, but you know I came into this thinking he was going to be at worst the backup. I really like Thomas Harper and I think Oklahoma State uh, the coaching staff does well. I like the freshman br- they brought in. I, I I like Corey Black and I liked Bar Muhammad who signed um, who as we found out had actually signed back in December but had just held off on his announcement till February. So he was obviously oh, okay. always going to be part of of the class. Um, like he held his signing like day in February, but he had apparently sent in his his actual um, letter of signed letter of intent back in in December. He just asked coaching staff to to keep it on the DL to he wanted to so he could do it his way. Which you know why not? Props to the props to them for letting him do what he wanted to do, and 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 props to him for getting it taken care of. But I Christian Holmes was expected to start for Missouri this season. I wouldn't be surprised if they if Christian Holmes is starting opposite Rodriguez Williams. I like Thomas Harper. I think he could be the starter, but, but I think I'm kind of leaning toward Christian Holmes is going to end up being the guy. Um, I think Harper just he probably just needs a little more time to develop. You're, he's a true he's a sophomore. Like I just I I I I would feel better if Holmes is the guy starting opposite Rodriguez Williams. Um, you're getting. Harper's going to get plenty of playing time, so don't worry about that. And he's going to be one asked to be one of the guys in 2021. But I mean, this is huge. This is a really big spot for for Oklahoma State. Obviously, in the Big 12 corner is a big position. So landing him, getting making it official, um, I think that's I think that's big. It really is. Yeah, it makes it even more exciting now. Like we know how good the defense is going to be next year, but like you mentioned, playing cornerback in the Big Twelve is a really tough task, and you need to have good guys because how many elite receivers are just littered all over the Big Twelve. So to have a guy with a lot of experience coming in now, you put him with Rodarius Williams, and that takes pressure off him as well because I still think I don't I still think Rodarius Williams is going to take on the number one receiver for whichever team Oklahoma State plays this year. He's never had to do that, but I think he's good enough to. But if Rodarius Williams you know, is having a rough day, you can put Holmes over there. At least you have experience there, and you're not throwing a freshman or a sophomore to the Wolves and hoping they can lock up a, a wide receiver one. So I think that it just takes the pressure off Rodarius Williams. It takes pressure off those freshmen. 
who I still think are good, talented and good and are going to play. But to get a grad transfer in, like I don't think it's been I don't think it's been talked about enough how important Rodarius Williams is to this team. And I think we're gonna be talking the same way about Christian Holmes by, you know, week five or six of how important he is to this team. All right, so with that, that brings the scholarship count up to 83. Obviously, Oklahoma State still has a, a scholarship they can give out for this 2020 class. I expect them to bring somebody on. Um, not confirmed, but based off of the tweet from linebacker Carson Kropp, uh, it sounds like he has been placed on scholarship, which is which big. He is a he was a PWO, uh, part of the 2018 class, um, inside linebacker. Uh, I, I I love seeing guys who who are walk ons get put on scholarship. Um, this is this, it's pretty cool for him, uh, and obviously linebacker being a position that it doesn't guarantee you're going to play in any way, shape, or form. But you know if that that especially with the depth they have at linebacker, but it's cool to see. Obviously, he's worked his way into into earning earning that, which is really just a neat spot. I actually interviewed him um, when he was just a PWO. I'll 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 post that on my Twitter account if I can find it. Uh, I think I was still at PFB when I wrote that one and not everything from my time over there is still like works. So I'll see if I can find it or not. He was a really cool guy. I actually, I graduated from Owasso uh, in high school and he was part of the uh, championship team back in 2018. It was like the, or no, 2017. What was the Owasso's like first state championship? Um, so that was, that was pretty cool. So um, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see it. Uh, hopefully, Someone will likely interview him. I actually uh, was DMing with uh, with Scott Wright from Oklahoma, and I'm, I'm he's I think he's going to try. But I always like those things, man. It's cool to see guys who are who are walk ons who work their way into earning a scholarship. It tells you a lot about how hard they work and and how the OSU does a really good job. And lots of teams do this. I'm not trying to say like OSU doing something nobody else is, but it OSU does a good job of rewarding guys in situations like this who work their tails off um, to, to 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 be in the situation. No, it, Mike Gundy has talked about that's one of the fav- his favorite things that he gets to do as a head coach is put a walk on on scholarship. He talked about it last year with Philip Redwine, Bryant, Rice Schneider uh, were two guys that were put on scholarship last season. I think uh, Dayton Metcalf as well. So there are three walk ons last year that got put on scholarship. And now you get Carson Crop. Um, I still think we we talked about it on the believe the last episode of the episode before. Uh, they're still they would still have one left, correct? After that, yeah, they have. So you, the max you can have is eighty five. Okay. If Crop is on scholarship, that puts them that puts them at eighty four. Okay. Because uh, um, and then uh, I, I think um, there's a couple of of guys that you mentioned that were on scholarship. That um, there's a question going on scholarship as a as a walk on doesn't mean you're going to stay on scholarship. Right. right. Um, so sometimes they pull them off. So there'll be some fluctuation, um, there, but likely. So I there could be some, but they have one left to offer. For this class, they're going to offer it to somebody. I don't know who that's going to be. We've talked about. I, I'd like to wait. I'd like to see them wait uh, until spring ball and kind of yep. see what they need. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if it's a wide receiver. I wouldn't be shocked if it was something else. To be honest, so um, yeah, yeah. I was just about to say. I think we we talked about in the last episode that I think it would be best for this team to wait until after um, after spring ball. Get through, see what see what you really need, see what your needs are after you scrimmage for a little bit, and then go from there on the grad transfer market and get somebody you know right before the school year ends and bring them in and then go from there. But I, I it wouldn't surprise me if that's the route they go, and I think that is probably the best 
uh, best case scenario with using that last scholarship. But, you know, we'll see. They've they've surprised us before. So we'll see what happens from there. Now we get to talk a little bit of, about baseball. I'm ex- very excited about this. Uh, before we do that, we'll be right back after a word from a sponsor. All right, Phillip. So this is coming out on Friday, recording on Thursday. Oklahoma State be- baseball begins their season tomorrow at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona. It's baseball season, man. I this this is my time. I like I love football. I love basketball. But this this is when I am at my happiest because I get to watch baseball from February until October. It's awesome. I'm I'm so excited. This is this is your happy time, man. And it I'm, is. I am happy. I'm happy for you. For you, I am. I am. I am very happy. It's uh, look, I, I'm not a baseball guy. I'm not a diehard baseball guy. I don't have a baseball team. I'll watch movie playoffs some. I don't watch during the regular season, but I will follow college baseball and I will follow Oklahoma State quite closely. Um, and with the way the basketball season is gone and brand new stadium for OSU this year, um, got a lot of very a very talented class who came in. Got a lot of talented freshmen. You got some expectations for this team. I am I am excited for this for this year. I, I really am. Yeah, there there is a lot to like about this Oklahoma State team. You they lost a lot from last season, both in the starting rotation and in the lineup, but what they've been able to bring back uh, on this team along with some of the freshmen that are really highly touted, this is going to be a very good team that's gonna compete for a Big Twelve title, and I'm not taking that I'm not saying that lightly. Um Texas Tech is obviously gonna be very good. OU is gonna be solid this year, so is TCU. Always, um, to, so those the top four seems pretty well set in the conference. Uh, after that, you know, you you, you kind of go from there. You know, Texas was very hit or miss last year. They they went to a tailspin last season, but they should bounce back pretty nicely. Baylor has nice pieces, and then West Virginia, K State, KU are probably going to be coming up the rear. But you, this entire conference overall is going to be really solid this season. I think Iowa State's going to finish in last place as usual. Is that? <laughs> I think I think that's how that works. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about that's right. Uh, so I'm curious from you. Uh, preseason polls had uh, I don't know. Wait, son of a bitch. Texas Tech was preseason. Dude, I'm not kidding. I'm I'm so out of it right now. No, it's all good. It's all good. I'm, I honestly don't know what the rankings are right now. I know OSU. Uh, they've OSU at 16. I know that, but I think so. They're 16 overall. I'm pretty sure they were preseason pick number two. Um. There are expectations for this team. There is. Um, yeah, Texas was weird last year. I expect they bounce back. I am curious from you, who do you think, uh, if you look at the Big 12, who do you think has the best shot to to win the conference this year? Um, I, I think you have to start with Texas Tech because of what they've been able to do the last few seasons. They won They won the Big 12 last year. They won the Big 12 uh, in, or they beat Oklahoma State in, in the Super Regional. They get to the College World Series. Uh, uh, BS super regional. Yeah, yeah. Don't even get me started. Yeah. They're still really good. Uh, they have a ton of guys from that team last year that are so with Brian Klein, Dylan Noose, uh, Michael Dallas is really good. Uh, he was their Friday starter last year, I believe. Uh, and he's only a sophomore. But they lost Josh Young, Gabe Holt, Cameron Warren, and Caleb Killian, who were, I believe, they're three, four, five, and six hitters. So they're losing a ton of production in the middle of their lineup. And that is really tough to replenish uh, when some guys are unproven. Uh, so they're they're a team that's going to be good, but it's a matter of if they're able to sustain that success when they're having to plug in a lot of new and when they're replacing well over half their starting lineup. Uh, Oklahoma State's having to do the same thing. 
there you lose your three, four, five hitters in Andrew Navagato, Trevor Boone, Colin Simpson. That's tough to replace, but you're now plugging in Alex Garcia, Carson McCusker, Kate Cabanis. McCusker and Cabanis are four-year guys. Alex Garcia, this is his second year, but they're all seniors. They were all really good last year. They all hit for a pretty good amount of power, so you're not going to lose a ton of production there. Uh, this team is going to hit. They, they just are, um, and especially when now you have Matt Holiday and uh, Robin Ventura on your, your coaching staff to teach, teach guys how to hit. Uh, that's going to be a big deal. So <laughs> returning that production is going to be huge. OU is going to be, they're going to be interesting to watch. They have really good pitching out of Kate Cavalli, who is projected to be a first round pick uh, in this year's, uh, in the 2020 draft. Uh, Levi Prater as well. So they, they're returning some good guys on the mound. Uh, whether they're going to be able to hit enough uh, remains to be seen. TCU is all you can never count TCU out. They're always going to be, a real, they're an incredibly well coached team. Uh, they're they're going to be, they're going to be fun to watch as well. So, I would start with Texas Tech and work my way down, but I think uh, D1 ba- or uh, Baseball America, Joe Healy, who does a great job covering college baseball and covering all the conferences, he has it being he has the predicted finish of Texas Tech one, Oklahoma State two, OU three, and then TCU four. Right now, I'd say that's a pretty solid prediction just based on what te- Texas Tech essentially gets the benefit of the doubt because they've been so good the last few years. Oklahoma State's been kind of up and down, but I think they're going to be able to sustain a level of success right now. And I wouldn't it wouldn't be surprised if maybe you flip one and two. Uh, I think Oklahoma State does have a legitimate chance to win the conference this year. Interesting note, though, I wanted to talk about this. For a so the, the Big 12 preseason poll um, voted on by the league's head coaches. So Texas Tech was one, Oklahoma State two, and TCU, OU, Texas. Texas, Baylor, West Virginia, Kansas State, Kansas. Texas Tech got six first-place votes. The three other teams got a first-place vote. TCU, who's ranked third preseason. Texas, who's ranked fifth. And West Virginia, who's ranked seventh in the preseason poll, got a first-place vote. Which is weird to me. Yeah, West Virginia, like, they were real, they were solid last year because mm-hmm. they had Alec Manoa as their Friday starter. Like they that dude led their team and he ended up getting a lot of money to go p- throw baseballs with the Toronto Blue Jays. They're returning guys that look to be pretty solid. I'm j- I'm just looking at what uh, Baseball America has on them right now. They're returning Tyler Doan who had oh, an almost a 900 OPS in the middle of their lineup. Uh Paul McIntosh looks like a pretty good hitting catcher. Uh Kyle Brophy, you know, hit another, you know, he didn't hit a ton, but he hit a, he had nine home runs and that's pretty impressive in college. They got a couple guys, you know, that they're returning on their starting staff, but man, I, I don't see West Virginia as a team that's going to win the conference. I think they could probably sneak up on a few teams. I mean, this conference can be pretty volatile, just like uh, college basketball can be, but I don't see it being any, I don't see them winning the conference, you know, from seventh place. I just, I don't see it. So obviously season starts um, this well, today, if this is going up on Friday, uh, Holiday likes to, to start the season away from from home. It's usually either in Texas or Arizona, so you get a three game, three four games in Phoenix. You get three this weekend against Grand Canyon, and then a game on Tuesday at Arizona State. Before really, they got a pretty long home stretch coming up. Um, they'll get a few games at home, and they're gonna head to Frisco, which uh, you, myself, and Micah will all be in Frisco for the uh, the Frisco. Baseball Classic at the end of the month. Games against UCLA, Illinois, and Texas A&M. I'm really intrigued by this stretch from March 3rd all the way to March 24th. So basically most of the month, um, they're at home with the exception of one game on a Tuesday night at Dallas Baptist. So they've they've got an opportunity to put a run together there. Don't be shocked if this is a team that starts like 
eight and five. They holiday loves to tinker. And I've noticed this going back and looking ever since he took over. And, and, you know, I talked about this a bit. It's not that I don't think he doesn't want to win. I just don't know that winning early in the season is nearly as important to him as figuring out his rotation, figuring his guys out, um, trying to get all the stuff tinkered with and tampered with until he's got it right in time to start conference play. Because how many times have we seen them start a season conference, non-conference and just kind of go, oh, this is going to be rough. Oh, this is going to be good. And then they get to conference play and they win or finish second. And then, you know, last year go to Corvallis and sweep Oregon State in a series. You're just like, what just happened? Um, so uh, don't be shocked to, to see them start off a little bit rough and then come conference play or right beforehand, just things kick into high gear. Yeah, you know, it, and ba- and like I've talked about, baseball can be an incredibly fluky sport. It just, it really is. And that's why you play so many games. So you have a, sam- a good enough sample size of really what a team can be. And you're right. Jo- I think Josh Holiday mainly likes to tinker with his rotation. He and Rob Walton like to figure out, okay, who's our Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday guys? Who can we plug in and know it's win day every single day we go out on the field? Parker Scott's going to lead that this year. And then after that, it's a lot of relative unknown. Bryce Osmond, Justin Campbell, Cale Davis, all fantastic freshmen. I've talked a ton about Bryce Osmond on this podcast. He's going to be really, really good. I think he's probably got the highest ceiling for an Oklahoma State pitcher since Andrew Heaney. Um, and you remember Andrew Heaney was a golden, mm. he was a Golden Spikes finalist, first round mm-hmm. pick, all that. Osmond is that good as a freshman. He is that good. He is projected okay. to be up there to win freshman of the year in the conference and in the country. That's baseball America. That's how high baseball America is on him. Um, but there is a learning curve from high school and travel ball to division one baseball. So we're probably going to see some growing pains there, but they're going to try and figure out, can we trust these guys? Can we put them in on a nightly basis on in, well, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and go win a ball game? You may lose some games here and there to teams you probably shouldn't lose to, but getting that experience is going to be important. And it's going to show whether they're going to be able to be a part of the rotation come conference play. Once conference play comes around, this team is going to be in high gear and they're going to be ready to go just like they were last season. They were kind of middling for non-conference play. And we know you were kind of scratching your head. I was like, just be patient. And I think that's what we're going to have to do with this team as well. Like there is a ton of turnover on this team. There's talent, but there is a lot of turnover. It's going to take them you know, a few weeks to really get the gears going. But once they do, I think this team is going to get rolling pretty quick. Yeah. Like, I feel like you're going to get a, like, 2-1 and one against Grand Canyon, lose to Arizona State, maybe drop a game or two against YouTube Grand Valley. Um, you know, three games, they're going to have one of these non-conference series where you're like, they should win that series or sweep it. Like a BYU or Fresno State, you know, they're going to drop a game or two by a by a run each game, and you're just going to be frustrated going, what's going on? And then they're going to start conference play and just, be awesome. Um, so, so looking at this, few questions. First off, what do you think realistic expectations are for this team this season? Is it just to host? Is it making regionals, hosting one? Is it making it to Omaha? Like, I, I would assume they won't get screwed all the last year, though. Part of that was the weather that you know they should have been a top eight seed, but they weren't. Anyways, uh, what is what's your what do you think is a realistic expectation for this team this year? At its ceiling, this team can get to Omaha, and I'm not trying to be a homer at all. I think there is enough on this team to get to Omaha. Now, whether they're going to win the cultural series is no. They're, they are still head and shoulders below Vanderbilt, LSU, and some of these other programs. But this is a team that can get through They can get through a regional. They're gonna, I think they're going to host a regional. I, I think that's a very realistic expectation. I think they can probably host a super. Um, 
they're this team is talented enough to do that. I think getting to supers is probably the realistic expectation, but I see no reason why this team can't get to Omaha this season and beyond. I mean, yeah, they get hot at the right time. And that, that's what pitching, happened. If, in, the, if the pitching is, yeah, the pitching was so good when they made it to, to Omaha and made it to the, you know, those, the essentially the, what, I guess you could call it the semifinal they, game they, matchups. They, third, they essentially got third place in 2016. And that's because the pitching was just, I mean, they were just, they weren't scoring a lot of runs, but they were shutting opponents down. Yes. And if this young and talented pitching staff, or this lineup gets it going at the right time, I, I think that's a legitimate, I, I, I think, here's, here's where I am with Oklahoma City at this point. With the new stadium, with the level of the recruiting they're able to do, Expecting Oklahoma State to to hope to be in the regionals every year, and they've made it the regionals every year. Holiday has not missed the region has not missed postseason yet. Period. Even the year they were awful and they somehow won the Big Twelve tournament and went to regionals. They have yeah. gone every year. I think this is I think most years hosting a regional should kind of be the expectation. And and Oklahoma State isn't hosting a regional. It's kind of a letdown. I feel like they should this year. I really do. Um so I and that's that's the that's the kind of pressure I'm, I think this team should be under. Um, I, I do, even if it's young, there's a lot of a lot to figure out. I think this is a team that, and again, that can be the 16 overall seed. That can be the 15. I don't I don't mean they should be a, I, they should guaranteed be a top eight seed. But I think this is a team that should be hosting a regional um, when when it when it comes time for postseason play. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, and I think that's going to be the expectation. When you get this new stadium, you get these new facilities, you get all the technology, you get the recruiting, you have the coaching staff. Like Everything is in place for Oklahoma State to be a legit blue blood program for the foreseeable future. And there's no no two ways about it. This is a team that needs – and Trey Cobb said it when the, the new stadium was announced. Like Oklahoma State needs to buy real estate in Omaha because they're going to be there a lot. And I it would not surprise me if we see – this be one of the best runs in Oklahoma State history with everything that you have going for you right now. You have the recruiting classes. You have the coaching staff. You have you have two big leaguers that had incredible careers on your staff. You have one of the best pitching coaches in, in the country. You know, you bring Marty Lees back. Like you have everything in place right there. You have a brand spanking new stadium, one of the best in the country. You're getting all the technology that you possibly need to be a successful team analytically. You have the talent in place on the field right now and for the future. This team is going to be in Omaha a lot. Get ready, folks. I'm, I am very, very excited for the future of Oklahoma State baseball, and I think it really starts this season a run that we're going to look back and go, wow. So looking at the schedule, obviously um, we're going to be in, in Frisco in, in late February. Um, stadium, Obrate Stadium officially opens uh, in the, with the series against TCU at the end of March. Um, so we're going we're gonna to get some, some more Alley P this year. Um, looking at the schedule, which series or game, if it's just, you know, if, or if it's a couple games on a, on Tuesday nights, what, which series are you most excited for? And do you feel like I got to buy tickets to that one? Um, well, I, I'm going to start with the Frisco classic. You're playing UCLA. Who's a top five team that, I mean, that, and that's consistently a team that gets to Omaha. So there's your first litmus test of, okay, how good are you really going to be this year? That's a game. I think Parker Scott starts. I think he's going to be the Friday guy this year. and you, you see where you're at right there. And then, honestly, I mean, we know what Big 12 Conference play is going to be. It's going to be a grind. It's going to be a gauntlet in spots. But you get Texas Tech at home. You get TCU at home. And then you get Oregon State first mm-hmm. weekend of May 
mm-hmm. May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. I'm excited for that series because you know that they, they were a team that was Omaha bound, like no doubt about it. They had the guy that was the number one pick signed for the most money ever in Adley Rutschman. They were rolling. Oklahoma State was rolling, and we came in and swept them. Uh, that derailed their season. Just still, they, just the craziest thing ever. Baseball's weird, man. Baseball's uh-huh. weird. Um, but that derailed their season. They didn't even get out of their own regional. They didn't get to supers. Um, they're going to come in with a bad taste in their mouth and want to ruin, you know, the debut of Obrate Stadium. And that's going to be a really fun series to watch. That is going to be a slugfest, knockdown, you know, twelve round fight for for three games. I think that's going to be probably one of the best series in the country this coming season. I I I think I think the Oregon State series. I would I would love to go to a game, for one of those. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I I, I want to say this. I love that Bedlam is played in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Um, I know there was some stuff last year. I hope it goes back to that. This year you get the the non conference game because they play four games every year. The non conference game is in, is in Tulsa. They'll play one game in Norman, and then the Saturday Sunday games in for Bedlam are in Stillwater for Obrate Stadium. I think that is I think that's a big deal. Yes. Uh, and and OU should be good this year. Like OU's been down a lot. Um so it's kind of Oklahoma State has dominated this series. Those are gonna be those are gonna be some packed house. Um yes. I, I agree on Oregon State. Obviously TCU I, I almost don't want to be there for the first game at Obrate because it's gonna be so insane. I'm kind of a grumpy person who doesn't want to deal with a massive crowd. So I would be more intrigued to go to like to really to to go to Texas Tech or Bedlam. The one I would I would really love to go to is the series against Fresno State in mid March because that will be officially the That's last game played at LIP. Yeah, are March 13, 14, and fifteenth Fresno State. Those are the last games. And in fact, ES, uh, ESPN Plus will have that last one. I actually think if I remember looking at the schedule right, that one might also be on like ESPNU or something. Um, there's quite a few. Ga- I, I know people have problems with ESPN Plus, guys. There's quite a few baseball games on ESPN Plus for Oklahoma State this year. So you may not like it, but if you want to watch them, it's gonna be better than watching them on the YouTube thing. Like YouTube's great that we have it, but ESPN Plus can be a little better. But that Fresno State series, I would love to go to one of those games for the official end of of Alley P. Reynolds Stadium. Yep, that is going to be that's going to be an interesting series. Obviously, that kind of ends the non-conference slate. Um, like of like the weekend series non-conference slate, you still get DBU and Wichita State and a few others. Um, but that's going to be that's going to be a fun series. It's going to be an interesting series. Uh, that's a game. That's a, that's one of those series that we may scratch our head at. But to end Alley P, you know, especially if they can win on Sunday, I think that would be that would be very awesome. If I had to pick a scratch our head series, I think it's that BYU one. Like, that's kind of the one before. I was looking at as well. And I, I know nothing that, about BYU, but it nope. <laughs> which tells me enough, honestly. It's a it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, which is weird on its own. Oh, it's because uh, I don't think BYU can play on Sunday. That's well, that's why. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's the kind of series you look at and go. They're gonna go one and two, and lose the lose both the games by a run. Like they're gonna give up a run in the end, or they're just gonna go back and forth, back and forth, and just have bad have just a bad weekend, and go one and two against a a, a mediocre BYU team, and we just go ugh, and then things will roll. But I I agree. I'm excited for this season. Um, I again, I'm not a huge baseball guy. But it's fun. Like it's yeah. fun to follow OSU baseball. It's fun because it's good. Like that's a big part of it. Yeah. But there's so much about this season. You're gonna end Alley P, opening of Obrate. 
obviously the, the the holiday brothers are there. There's just there's so much to be excited for about this season. I think, and again, props to them for scheduling Oregon's home and home with Oregon State to get Oregon State in Stillwater for this season with O'Brien Stadium. Like I, I think that was strategic. I think it was on purpose. I think it was brilliant move because um, Oregon State's going to be good. Like I, they, yeah. there's no reason to think that's not a battle of top twenty five teams. Um, it's exciting. It really is. Yeah, I just want to highlight two guys really quick that I'm excited about this season for different reasons. Uh, obviously, I talked about the guys that we that are known commodities for Oklahoma State with Garcia, McCusker, Cabanis, and then you know Osmond and Parker Scott, Brett Stanley. Like I talked about those guys a little bit. But there are two newcomers that I think are going to be big for this team this year. And I'll start with the catcher Brock Mathis. He is a, a transfer from LSU. I believe he's a graduate transfer with two years because he's listed as a junior. But he is a guy that I think can play the Colin Thoreau role that he that mm. he played on that uh, team in 2016, where d- ignore anything he does at the plate, like don't don't even worry about it. He Brock Mathis uh, barely had over a 500 OPS, which is on base and slugging percentage combined, which is not good like, at at all. That's it's not. But what you what matters the most, especially from a scouting and valuation perspective, is what do you do defensively. And to have an experienced catcher behind the plate is huge for a young pitching staff. If he can control a the running game, but can get these dudes going behind the uh, behind the plate and get into sync with these guys, it's so important for young pitchers. And if he can play that type of role for this team, that's going to help the development of Bryce Osmond, Justin Campbell, Cale Davis very quickly because those dudes are going to pitch a lot for this team. And to have an experienced catcher is extremely important. And I, if he can be anything like Colin Thoreau was, who is legitimately the best defensive catcher i've seen in college baseball uh obviously shane langler's joey bart like there are other guys and adley rutschman they get the cachet because they were really good hitters too colin throw was not i love i love colin to death he's a good friend of mine uh the dude dude couldn't really hit that well but he was so good defensively that you stuck him in the lineup every day because you know what you're going to get from him that you can throw any of your pitches in any count and he's going to get it and he's he's in a block that breaking ball in the dirt. He's in a frame that fastball in the inside corner and get you a punch out. You know that you probably you know sneak sneak a punch out for you. So if Brock Mathis can do that for this team, that that's going to be huge or very early on. The other guy is going to be Caden Pakolvich. He is a graduate or a a, tra- a JUCO transfer from Northwest Florida State. He transferred in last year, I believe he redshirted, and then he went to summer ball in the Cape Cod League, which is the big wood bat summer league for college baseball players where guys can really raise their draft stock and have really good seasons. And, you know, if you have a good year on the Cape, you're going to have a good year, more than likely, your junior or senior year, whenever you go. And he had almost a, a 900 OPS for the Chatham A's and the Cape Cod League. That's with wood, That's hitting with a wood bat. And when you hit with a wood bat as a 21-year-old, you know, as a college player, that shows that you can rake. And if he can do that for, for Oklahoma State in the middle of the lineup, you're plugging in, uh, at second base, he's the guy that is going to be an X factor for this team. I think the the three seniors I mentioned earlier of Garcia, Cabanis, and McCusker are going to be key. But I think Pakolvich is going to be the dude that's going to probably end up being the best hitter on this team, and is going to be a dude that's going to go and get drafted pretty highly, especially especially if he has a good year toward the end of conference play and inter regionals. He he's a dude that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Very exciting. Very exciting. I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. Absolutely. Do you have any final thoughts on this episode here? Uh, Two. Uh, okay. First of all, uh, football series scheduled 14 years ahead of time are stupid. Um, 
it's I'm glad that they pitch it as two former big uh, big eight teams, even though by the time this Nebraska Oklahoma State series kicks off, no one alive will remember the big eight, but that's fine. I believe um, so I saw, props I saw to some, that. Yeah, I believe I saw someone say the freshmen that are gonna play in that game are gonna be far four years old right now. Yes, the freshmen who will play in that game are currently four years old, and they're the game has already been decided for them. So that's <laughs> just just which is dumb. Um Props to shout out to the softball team. Softball yes. season started last weekend. Uh, they're currently four and two. They're they're down in Clearwater playing in the or in St. Pete playing the Clearwater Elite Invitational, which is also known as the Michelle Smith Tournament. If you don't know who Michelle Smith is, you're an Oklahoma State fan. Google it, you morons. Uh, the only two losses are two one run losses to a very very good LSU squad. Okay, so let's like understand that um, they're gonna you're gonna be able to watch. <laughs> the rest of the games in it there they've got three ranked opponents coming up in minnesota missouri alabama and then a game against team usa which is just like all right why not sure shit um and also shout out in her first game yes for yes. oklahoma state pitcher kelly maxwell had a perfect game in her cowgirl debut seventh perfect game in cowgirl history in a 21 to nothing win over Florida A&M last weekend. Huge props to her. That is, I don't care who you're playing. I don't care if you're playing Florida A&M. I don't care if you're playing uh, eighth graders from down the street. That is that is incredibly impressive, especially for a redshirt freshman. The the talent, the pitching talent for this, this Cowgirl team is good. Remind you, they lost two one-run games to LSU. They lost zero to one and two to two and three. Okay. This is a good team. This is a good softball program. This is a program on the rise. It is very exciting that Oklahoma State, I know basketball's down and it sucks. I know football hasn't been the best thing the last couple of years, though I thought this year was, was fun. Um, understand that how good Oklahoma State is at all the other sports, realistically, foot, uh, baseball, softball, soccer, okay, track, tennis, men's and women's, like, I know people don't care as much because it's not football and basketball, but there's there's a certain amount of pride in knowing we're really good at a lot of sports, and Oklahoma State is a school that gets to that it not only matters when football kicks off in the fall. There is there is an athletic department that matters into the summer when baseball and softball are still playing late. Okay, it's really cool to know that basically from the beginning of September into May, potentially June, Oklahoma State is playing something. And that is something that most schools can't be excited about. It's awesome. No, there are not many athletic programs that can be excited about all their sports the entire academic year. Uh, Most schools by now are just getting ready for spring football and they don't care about anything else. But for Oklahoma State to, you still have wrestling. You still, who's mm-hmm. going to go win the Big 12 and get to compete and the NCAA tournament. You still have basketball. It's kind of on the rise, and obviously the expectations are high for next season. Be- baseball, softball, golf this spring is going to be great. Like It's very rare to find an athletic program that uh, in a university that has you know guys like us that talk about sports, and they're not just talking about football all the time. Like We have so many great sports and so many great stories to talk about that it keeps it light and keeps us entertaining for us. Um, so yeah, so hey, if you get a chance, uh, the Cowgirls' first games at home will be Friday, February twenty eighth through Sunday, March first. Uh, you got double two games on Friday and Saturday that weekend, including a couple games against Louisville and a game against Oregon. Oregon's always a good softball program. Um, I know there is a 
very devoted Oklahoma State softball fan base. But if you haven't had a chance to go catch these girls, if you didn't get to last year, um, yeah, Sam Show may not be flipping bats out there, but this is a team worth going to watch. So if you plenty of opportunities, but that's a good one, uh, especially if you get a game against against Oregon. That's always that's always nice. So guys, if you're in Stillwater, why not take advantage of stuff? Just yeah. go watch a baseball game. Go watch the softball game. If you want to spend half of it on your phone, it's an opportunity to get out of the house. Yeah. So take advantage of it. Why not? Yeah. I would. I'm gonna I'm gonna town with a, with like not F not FCS D two okay Division two. So understand like FCS there's FBS FCS and then D two. I got a D two school okay. I don't care like there there's I'll go to stuff but even then it's like oh, I like oh I don't you, you would get run ruled in two innings so. If you you are in Stillwater and you can't just go, like go, you have you get to do things I wish I could do on a Tuesday night. Like and go. honestly, like I I still live in Stillwater, folks. So if you listen to this podcast, you want to go to a baseball game, you want to go to a softball game, you need someone to go with. Hit me up, I will go with you. <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like, and if you want to learn more about baseball, hit me up. Like I I want Oklahoma State fans to be excited about this season because there is so much to be excited about. Are, you, are your DMs open? You got yeah, those they are. open? They actually, they are. Oh, go DM Joel or just, just you know. Yeah, go DM Joel. He'll go to, he will go to a game with you. Like, yeah. And he's, uh, he's, I think he's a pretty cool, I mean, we've never actually hung out in person, so I don't know if you're cool to hang out with or you're like a lightweight and you're going to be sloshed within two innings and, and no fun to be around. So I, I can't account for that. But I'd say, you know, I, generally speaking, you're, I like you, so, you know, I'm sure other people would too. And, yeah, and as Philip mentioned earlier, uh, in a couple weeks, we'll be down in Frisco, Texas for the Frisco Classic. Oklahoma State plays UCLA, Illinois, Texas A&M. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be there covering it as actual credentialed media. It's my first time being a, an actual kind of somewhat capital J journalist. I'm excited about that. Uh, but we're going to be there. And mm-hmm. if you want to meet and if you guys, for anybody down there, you want to meet up with us, again, DM us, let us know. We'd love to meet up and talk with anybody that actually listens to us. So that's pretty exciting for us. Yeah, both our DMs are open, and then of course I think the CRFF site's DM, uh, Twitter account's DMs are open as well. All right, Philip, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me at OKTXAR Poke. Uh, don't forget to check out my show, Ten Twelve Podcast at T E N Number Twelve, the word Podcast. Anywhere podcasts are found, you can also follow it on Twitter. And uh, we will have our baseball preview up. It should be up uh, in theory today on Friday. Uh, I've been having some scheduling issues with my guests, so hopefully our Big 12 baseball preview is, is up and ready to go. All right, you can follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. If you're a Kansas City Royals fan, check out uh, the Royals Farm Report podcast. I host that. If you go to Royals Review Radio on anywhere you find podcasts, you'll be able to find it there. We had a great interview with uh, 2019 Royals draftee Vinny Pasquantino. Uh, he played rookie ball for the Burlington Royals last year. Great interview, great guy, great guy to root for. Uh, if you just need something to get you through the next few weeks as pitchers and catchers start reporting, spring training's right around the corner. Uh, we have all the content for you there. But we will be back next week. Talk some more basketball, talk some more football. I don't know what we'll talk about, but we'll get there and we'll talk to you all then.